Hello and welcome to an episode of Risk Talks. This week I'm talking with Simon Cooper with a focus on career coaching for risk professionals. Simon's fairly unique in that he's been a both a head of risk and also he's been developing a career coaching business. I felt that some of his comments and advice would be, and whether you're someone who's developing your career or otherwise someone who's been a risk leader or a CRO, I think they're really valuable and some really useful advice for people. So, um, hello, Simon. Welcome to Risk Talks. Morning, Ed. Thank you for inviting me to talk. My pleasure. I'm looking forward to hearing um, hearing this discussion. So, um, I guess without further ado, Simon, can you introduce yourself and give me uh, or give us a, 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 a an introduction to your background in risk management? Yeah, so my name is Simon Cooper. Um, I'd spent about the last 20 years working in a variety of um, senior risk management roles for asset management firms. So I'd worked for firms like Boney Mellon, Schroeder's, BlackRock and T. Rowe Price. Um, in my last couple of roles at T. Rowe Price and BlackRock, I was actually responsible for starting the operational risk and enterprise risk management functions from scratch. Um, which involved not only building out kind of the framework and tools, but also building out the teams involved in, in those areas. And as I was building out those teams and kind of managing and leading those teams, I became much more interested in kind of career development and career development of those teams. Um, I also became uh, much more conscious, I guess, of how complicating and difficult it was becoming to kind of manage careers um, and manage careers over time. So for all of those reasons, um, I decided to kind of train as a career coach um, and start to kind of develop a career, a career coaching business. So it's a natural flow. And um, I guess it's, it's, it's a good sort of step to have been developing that career coaching side of things. So I guess for anyone who's unfamiliar with career coaching, can you give a quick overview in terms of what this is and why someone might may want to think about career coaching or, yeah, or, 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 or the advice that you can have from career coaching. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to start with kind of a really easy definition and then use a slightly compli more complicated one and then give a couple of examples as well. But I'll be brief. Um, I think at the very, at the simplest level, career coaching is about a career coach working with an individual to kind of stay, take stock of where they are at in their career and kind of where they want to go in the future and then helping them devise a plan kind of action points that allow them to get to that future stay. On the slightly more complicated level, it's really about the kind of career coach working with an individual through a very collaborative process, um, using uh, coaching processes, coaching frameworks, psychological theory to really help them to think about their career so they can really maximize their potential. Now, I typically work with um, career coaching clients in probably three main areas. So. The first area, which unfortunately has been on the rise because of COVID and the pandemic, is around people that are worried about their job security, might have been made redundant, and are really thinking about what am I going to do next? How do I how do I get that next job? What's my search strategy? What's my interview strategy? How do I prepare for interviews? So that that's one level. 
The second area, which actually is probably the biggest component of my overall work, is people that have roles and, and have fairly solid careers, but are actually thinking of making some kind of career change, some kind of career transition, so that they can lead kind of a, a more fulfilled career. So for those people, it's a case of really helping them think about what is it I want to do in the future, um, and also to think about the steps they might take to kind of realizing that future. And then the third area that I really work on, and I'll talk a little bit more about this kind of later on in the conversation, is around kind of regular career assessments and helping people build resilient careers and adaptable careers. Um, so yeah, they're, they're the three main areas. Um, that's, that's good to hear. And I think for me, as a risk-focused recruiter, a lot of the time I speak to people about similar sort of topics, um, but it's happened after they've left the job, potentially has been made redundant. So I think that's the second stream that you're talking about in terms of people thinking about, and third stream in terms of people thinking about things in advance of um, you know, their next steps. I think it's really useful to continually be thinking about how they can progress and develop their career. But I guess if you're looking for someone who is looking to develop their career into a more senior risk management role or even become a CRO, what would you say are the challenges that people face in, in their careers? Yeah, so I, I would say um, kind of risk professionals face a number of kind of key challenges in terms of kind of navigating their careers to become um, a CRO or head of risk. I think the first one is that there's just no linear route to becoming a CRO or head of risk. So it's very difficult in the early part of your career or the middle part of your career to actually kind of say, I'm going to go from here to here to here. And they're the steps I need to become a CRO. Now, when I think about kind of um, my career and kind of the organizations I've worked for, it, it's clear that you know, different organizations prefer different skill sets or different backgrounds for a CRO. So, you know, some organizations will want to promote senior business folk into their CRO roles. Other organizations might prefer people with an investment risk background or an enterprise risk management background. So there is, there is just no linear route to kind of get into a CRO. I think the second um, main challenge is just around how broad the skill set is to be kind of a good CRO or head, head of risk. You know, you, you don't only have to be a technical risk management expert, you have to be a leader of function and you have to be able to influence and navigate your way around an organization. So for instance, you know, you, you might have to be able to talk about strategy to your CEO. You might be able to or need to be able to talk about change management. So the skill set that you actually need to kind of develop over your career is re really broad. Now, I think one of the things that happens with uh, risk professionals kind of in the early part, mid part of their careers is, is by the nature of their jobs, they're kind of required to specialize and they're required to become a technical expert. And I think because of that, they tend to see their careers in very technical ways. Like I need to get, I need to get investment risk expertise. I need to get ICAP expertise. And sometimes it's easy to forget that actually the, the, the core skills for being a head of risk or, or a CRO 
are those kind of core soft skills and core psychological skills. So things like stakeholder management, communication skills, influencing skills, learning agility, situational awareness. So I think it's really important in the, in the early part, mid part of your career to be making sure that you're kind of focusing on developing those skills as well. And then the final point, um, and I, you know, I think this is true of my career and also I hear HR people talk about it sometimes is that risk folk, because of the nature of the job they do in, in the sense that they're thinking about risk all of the time and how they identify and mitigate and monitor risk, tend to be quite risk adverse in their careers. And because of that, it, it means that actually there are probably occasions in people's careers where they don't take enough risk. They don't look for opportunities to experiment, opportunities to really learn and in depth and develop by kind of putting themselves out, out of their comfort zones. So I think that they're the kind of main challenges I see. Um, Ed, you've obviously got kind of a huge amount of experience in the recruitment space and you must have seen kind of people face significant obstacles and challenges. What would you say are, are the main challenges people face? Yeah, I, I mean, I think you've you've touched on some of them, but uh, I guess starting off by letting people, letting years pass them by and not actually focusing on personal developments. I know we all have these sort of annual appraisals and personal development plans and things like that, but actually it shouldn't just be down to a manager and, um, you know, a good manager to help you along with those side of things. I think it's all on to us to think about focusing on personal development and professional development and they're not you know mutually exclusive personal and professional development they definitely go hand in hand and thinking about you know even if it's just in the start of the new year thinking sort of what what I need to do to develop myself what I want to do whether that's you know um sporting or life goals or, or work goals but I think they make us all rounder individuals and as you touched on specializing and specializing too early I think broad experience is, is really good and helpful, and particularly as you progress up your career towards a sort of head of risk or CRO or leadership position. I think whether it's, even if it's just trying to get involved in projects or cross business strategic um, moves, I think from a visibility and from an experience perspective, that's good. And then leading on to sort of visibility, net networking, um, like it or not, networking is really important, um, whether it's, Let's say, for example, I've got a problem and I know someone in my network who can just give me a quick and easy answer. Um, that's really helpful. Um, but also building networks within companies, people who can help and provide advice and yeah, generally sort of be good individual advocates for yourself. Um, pushing yourself, putting yourself out of your comfort zone. Again, it's all too easy just to be coasting and be happy in a role but actually do think, you know, what can I do? Can I do more? I guess a question back from that would be, do I want to do more and should I do more? My response to that would be, yeah, I think it's always sort of part of personal development evolution for you wanting to be learning. Um, and then a couple of brief other points. Um, Hands-on experience is always really important, but uh, professional qualifications, I'm a big advocate of, of training and, and adding to your skill set. So whether that's, uh, you know, a, a master's or just a course on potentially it could be on you know developing social skills or developing 
you know, public speaking or, or, or anything along those sort of lines, anything you identify as a weak point, and there's plenty of online courses, do, do go on it. And it doesn't have to be just technical um, side of things. And then finally, um, I know this is a bit kind of maybe cliched in a way, but developing a personal brand. So um, the advice that I always give when people are looking for roles are, you know, you, you have to become a specialist in marketing yourself. And actually, even before you start looking at yourself, think about what my key strengths are and how I can market myself and what stands behind the competition. So take a step back, look at sort of how you think people perceive you and then how you want people to perceive you and then try and develop on that side of things. So yeah, I know I've given a few points, but hopefully that's helpful. Yeah, I, I like some of those ideas there. I, I like the kind of realizing that you're kind of in charge of your career and kind of personal development and, you know, you need to kind of spend time thinking about it. And then similarly on the networking side, I, I, I very much like that idea. I think that's a good example of one of those soft skills where people kind of accept whatever skills they've got in that area without really thinking how they're going to develop them and kind of progress them over time. And I think that's really important for kind of more senior risk management roles. Definitely. So in terms of sort of your thoughts on how you feel people, like the challenges that people will face in the next 10 years, would you say there are any particular challenges in the next 10 years that you're seeing? I guess I can sort of respond back to that, but yeah, over the next 10 years, how would you see sort of skills and, and challenges being faced and, and how it's, you know, the world's going to evolve? Yeah, so I think it's going to be a real significant period of kind of change and uncertainty over the ten, next 10 years. I think the pandemic has started that, but they're kind of other secular trends that are going to play into that. I think when you look at, and I've obviously done some study in this area over the last kind of year but when you look at kind of modern career theories the kind of main career theories that have been developed over the last 20 years all suggest that we're going to have to change jobs more frequently and more often than we have in the past now when you combine that with thinking about the financial services industry and some of the trends that affect in the financial services industry so things like globalization, uh, competition, technology changes, regulation, they all suggest that over that 10, next 10 years is gonna be a significant period of kind of cost and revenue pressure. Now, because of that, I think, unfortunately, probably over that 10 years, there's gonna be downward pressure on risk management opportunities and risk management headcount. Now, when you combine that, with the fact that we're going through the kind of fourth industrial revolution with things like AI, augmentation, further automation, um, I think those forces are going to fundamentally reshape the financial services industry over that kind of 10 year period. And I think they're also going to fundamentally kind of reshape and change the role of a risk manager or kind of a, someone working within risk management. Um, and I think they affect kind of the risk management role in kind of three main areas. So one is um, the types of risks that a risk person is going to be dealing with over that 10 year period because of the augmentation and artificial intelligence and big data are going to change. 
I think secondly, um, the tools that risk managers are, are using will change over that period of time as well because of AI and um, automation. And, and I think because there's more automation coming, that will change some of the kind of junior and middle level roles within a risk organization. So maybe going forward, there's less risk reporting roles and less of some of the kind of grunt work type roles. Um, and thirdly, because of that, I think it will pay, place a premium on some of the kind of soft skills and psychological skills that we talked about earlier. So things like higher level critical thinking, higher level communication and influencing skills become much more important in kind of an AI enabled world. Um, the, the, the World Economic Forum released a report um, a couple of weeks ago looking at the kind of job landscape in 2025 and how the skills you need to navigate that landscape might be different to today. Now, they concluded that actually um, the average job, will, the core skills required for the average job will change by 40% over the next five years, which is really significant. Um, and the, the kinds of skills that they thought would be at premium in 2025 were exactly those higher level kind of soft skills and psychological skills. So again, things like critical thinking skills, things like communication skills, um, things like learning agility, situational awareness, um, with some of the psychological skills like um, stress tolerance, flexibility, nuance, being able to deal with gray grayness. So it feels like we're on the cusp of a period of significant change. Definitely. So, um, I mean, in terms of sort of where where, where I see, see, see things as well, it's actually I've listened to a podcast and I've probably got a relevant point to come back on that, how skills have evolved. So you look at the profession of accounting and when Excel spreadsheets sort of came through and you know, software for accounting came through, there were a really large number of bookkeepers, for example, who were really worried about their jobs, but actually as a profession, I know this is 40 years on now from there, yeah. but actually they as a professional, they've upskilled added value. And now there's more people working in accounting or accounting peripheral positions because actually it's more of the add value analysis and actually understanding and being able to provide advice on, on the accounts. And it's the same as risk in terms of as a profession that's evolved. I think communication skills, quantitative skills, they're absolutely core kills, key skill sets. Um, doesn't have to be you don't have to focus on both of them necessarily i mean i think communication everyone really should try and build yeah. on that. but but they're two skill sets which are really going to be vital you've got to look at potentially could your role be offshored and um you know what you can do to make yourself you know an expert in your area where it can't be offshored i think we've seen reporting controls based roles definitely where possible go offshore specifically for large companies and also, I'll just say finally, on, on the back of that sort of point in terms of the challenges, um, looking at new growth areas. So, for example, if you'd had the sort of foresight to think about specialising in ESG or sustainable finance, for example, certainly this year I've seen a real boom in hiring and, and growth in this area. And if you'd, um, I'd say lucky, but lucky is not the right word, but if you had the foresight to sort of focus in this area maybe five years ago, you know, you've got a massive head start, you'd be seen as a specialist and you can move up your career so much more quickly. Um, there is a bit of luck, a bit of good judgment, 
but yeah, sort of trying to think about these things and the next trends. Um, so actually on, on the back of things, Simon, as well, we talked before recording about the four key steps that risk professionals can use to develop resilient careers. Um, is it possible for you to touch on them for me, please? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'm very much interested in kind of helping people develop resilient careers, because I think if if we're going through a period of significant change and uncertainty, one way to put yourself ahead in that is really thinking about kind of building a resilient career, which is adaptable and flexible. Now, in my practice, and uh, people can use these kind of questions and approaches with themselves as well. There are kind of four, three, three, four main areas that I try to get people to, to, to focus on. So one is, I think it's really important that people do some kind of regular career assessment. So where am I at in my career? Where do I want to go kind of over the next two to five years? And also, how are things changing? So how are my interests and skills changing? How is the kind of industry that I work in changing? And how might that change kind of what I do over that time period? So I think that, that career assessment is really important. I think secondly, um, one of the skills that's always been important for kind of risk professionals, but will become more important is kind of developing intellectual curiosity and thinking about what are the kind of new areas that I'm going to explore and, le and learn new knowledge around over the kind of next 12 months. So Ed, you said there, and I completely agree with you, you know, risk people need to be thinking, well, actually, yes, ESG is an interesting place or AI and big data is interesting. I don't actually know a lot about that, but why don't I go out and research and find out more about that area, become a subject matter expert and think about how I can bring that knowledge back and kind of implement it, adapt it within the kind of business that I work. So I think developing that kind of muscle around intellectual curiosity is really, really important. I think the third area is around those kind of uh, core soft skills and psychological skills. I think we've kind of acknowledged that, that it's easy to focus on the development of the technical skills and almost assume that with those kind of core soft skills, you've either got them or you haven't. So one of the things I'm encouraging people to do through that annual career assessment step is to think about what are the course soft skills and psychological skills I'm going to focus on over the kind of next period of time and how am I going to find opportunities to one learn about those areas and two practice them in, in kind of my working life and then the last step is really around um, taking more risk and, and uh, taking more risk not only in uh, risk professionals careers but also in their day-to-day -day working life. You know, if we say that actually acquiring new knowledge is important, acquiring kind of some of these soft skills and psychological skills is important, it's also important to find opportunities to really uh, bring yourself out of your comfort zone and practice implementing those skills and developing muscles around those skills. So one of the things I'm trying to get my client base to think about in that annual career assessment is, okay, how do you do that experimentation? What are the things you're gonna experiment on or take some risk on? Where in your working life are you gonna do those things? Um, and really get people thinking about kind of taking a little bit more risk. 
you, you made some really, really great points and especially specifically focused for a risk audience. So I guess sort of my takes from that would be making sure that you actually think of things for yourself and not relying on, you know, being in the office environment and having, you know, that, that personal development plan just purely with your boss and, and at work. And I think, yeah, thinking about just thinking for yourself and using your, your, your mind and, and putting some action plans in place. I think that's really important. But Simon, um, you've made so many interesting points. I, um, I hope the audience have uh, enjoyed this. I hope you've enjoyed listening and taken a few, few points away. Um, so if you're a risk leader, um, I've included Simon's uh, LinkedIn profile and I've attached that to the, to the link. So feel free to connect with Simon. And again, look, thank you, Simon, so much for your time. It's certainly for me been really valuable and insightful listening. And uh, again, thank you so much for your time. Ed, thank you very much for the opportunity to kind of present and talk through. I've kind of really enjoyed it today. So thank you. My absolute pleasure.